Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God, and we're talking about false religion and a lot of the ideas that creep in that are really damnable heresies. A good heresy always has a certain element of truth to it because that's what a good lie is. And uh, there's a lot of truth out there that is in the Bible that can be easily twisted because of language, because we lack understanding of history because we don't really want to know the truth. That's really what it comes down to because Christ said he was going to build his church upon this rock of divine revelation. Not Peter's divine revelation, but your divine revelation. You're going to have his laws written on your heart and upon your mind. He's speaking to you right now, but the question is, are you listening? And how do we know if you're listening? Do we re- even really need to know if you're listening? Well, we might, if we're going to associate with you and work with you, because you might not be listening to God at all. You may be listening to evil sources, or you may be just going off on your own vent. And how do we know you believe? Because you tell us? Well, the liars of the world could tell us that you be- that they believe. So, how do we know? And, I mean, there are some real damnable heresies that allow people to be workers of iniquity that will be cast out, though they say they believe. Now, this is... The most important person that this is important to is you. Because you need to know whether you really believe or not. I mean, you think you really believe, but there are people from one end of the universe to the other, from one end of history to the other, that believe they were right and they were wrong. And you could be one of those that believes that you believe. And you actually don't believe. You don't even know. And this is the way it was when Christ talks about those workers of iniquity that he says, get ye from me. I know you not. He knew them not because they knew him not. They were not in communion with him. They were in communion with something. But it wasn't Christ. And many shall come in my name. But he knows them not because they are workers of iniquity. Workers, we don't have to be workers. We just have to believe. We don't have to do any works. We're not saved by works. We're saved because we believe. But do you believe? You tell me you believe with your lips. You say, Lord, Lord. But do you really believe? And this is really what it comes down to. And actually, some of the things I wanted to talk about as I came across these monthly statistics and snapshots of the economy. And, of, for instance, Social Security. How many people are on Social Security today? Uh, 62 million people. 
actually over 62 million people are on Social Security. Uh, about 40 million of those people are age 65 or older. And that's what we usually think of as Social Security. People who are older than 65. But there's 14 million people that are on disability. And another 7 million that are on other uh, reasons why they're getting Social Security checks. And of course, everybody needs to know that if you get a Social Security check, you're not getting back the money you paid in. You're getting money that is borrowed from the future of your children and your grandchildren. Because there is no money in Social Security. Not one dime of money is in a Social Security fund. It does not exist. I don't care what they lead you to believe on the news. It is absolutely without question in the law ruled time and time again. There's no earmarking of funds. So if your country is in a deficit, whatever country it is, whatever system you use for social welfare, is taking money away from the future of your children, who you probably signed up for that same social welfare system in your area, which was, and for those of you who don't know, is is what they call Corbin in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Corbin is the system whereby you sacrifice something to help take care of the needy of your society. That's what Corbin was. It means sacrifice, and it was to be done by charity, and if it was done through a charitable means, it it means that you draw near God because you, you're doing it out of love. And that's why the same word that we see for uh, sacrifice, Corbin, uh, also comes from a word that means to draw near. So this is the way Israel did it. They did it with free will offerings, took care of all the needy of their society. Uh, they ran their government even through free will offerings. Yeah, you were supposed to tithe. Nobody kicked in your door if you didn't tithe. But the fact is, you got to choose who you were going to tithe to. And then they chose who they were going to tithe to. And then they chose who they were going to tithe to. And the entire uh, government was run from the grassroots, ground up, because you maintained the power of how you were going to be taxed by yourself and who you were going to pay. And that was that was a free society. Anything other than that is not a free society. If somebody can tell you how much you have to pay in and force you to pay in, then you do not live in a free society. And you are not free. You are not free. You do not live in the land of the free or the home of the brave. You live in the land of the deceived. That's where you live. Because you think you are free, but you are not. And we've talked about that. But anyway, so we've got these millions, 60-some million people getting Social Security benefits. But those are not the only benefits that we have. We have lots of other benefits. And we'll talk about those eventually. Probably won't get to it all in this program. But we'll uh, we'll make reference to it. And... And we will eventually go on to that word you use. 
articles that we are writing, a series of articles we're writing for News of Views uh, on that word you use, which was the word religion. And most people don't know what religion means. They think that it means what they believe, and that's understandable because that's what it says in the modern dictionary. But a hundred years ago, it said something else. A hundred years before that, it said something else. It had to do with what you did and what you did in relationship to your duty to God and your fellow men. That was religion. And that was your Corbin. That was how you took care of your needy. How you fulfill that duty, and of course you have two ways to do that. One is by free will offerings, and the other one is by forced offerings. Forced offerings is what the Pharisees had gone to with their system of Corbin. Signed up with baptism, with the scribes, got a new uh, Hebrew name that had a numerical value. It was written on a stone and registered in their books. And then if you needed benefits, if you needed help, you would generally go to the synagogue nearest you and show them the stone and say, this is what I need. And they would provide for you and funds would be moving around throughout the empire to help you. But it would all go up to the treasury and then come back to the local congregation. Uh, that's not bottom up, that's top down. Uh, because the decision as to what you're going to get doesn't come from your neighbor, but comes from a central government. And this is what the Pharisees and Herod had set up. And this is why they had money to build the temple in Jerusalem and the temple of Roma and uh, other places. And we'll talk all about that in that series. But what's happened is that you've gone that same way in Corbin. The Romans had Corbin. They called it Q-O-R-B-A-N. And this was the free bread and circuses that destroyed the Roman Republic and made that Rome went from a free republic to an imperial uh, democracy and then just to a flat-out imperial power. And this all happened because of their free bread and circuses, the apathy of the people, the avarice of the people who wanted the benefits, loved the wages of sin. That's the wages of sin, those benefits at the expense of your neighbor through forced offerings. This is the synagogue of Satan, and we'll cover all that. But anyway, somebody sent me, uh, saw it on Facebook, so I copied the the, the little photograph into uh, my notes here, and it says, Dead to the law, wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, Romans 7.4 and Romans 7.6. But now we are delivered from the law. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. It says the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So again, are you one of those that believeth? And uh, end of the law. What does it mean, end of the law? The law was nailed to the cross, all this kind of stuff. What law was nailed? Is it talking Ten Commandments? Because when Paul talks about the Ten Commandments, he calls it the Entole, which is translated commandments and, and references those Ten Commandments. When he says end of the law, he's not talking about the end of the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the end of the statutes and 
ordinances and traditions, the same word you see as traditions is also translated ordinances, of institutions such as the Sanhedrin, who could rule over you because you signed up for their system of Corbin. You see, that's the end of the law he's talking about. All the little rules and regulations. Judea was becoming a highly regulated society because the people had applied for a welfare that was a snare. Paul talks about it. David talks about it before. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. Put a knife to your throat if you be a man of appetite, it says in Proverbs, because and you sit and eat with a king because he serves you deceitful meats. How are they deceitful? They bring you into bondage. That's how Israel went into bondage. They applied to Pharaoh for benefits, you know, free bread uh, that they would get for not working. They'd sell, first they sold all their money and then they sold all their livestock and then they sold themselves. If you take care of us during these, the famine, we will give you 20%. We, it's a contract. And that was the contract in Egypt. Still the law in Egypt today, although the contract in most countries was not made by Joseph, so there is not a ceiling limit of 20%. They can take 20, 30, 40, 50, 60%, whatever they want to take. Some countries charge 75% income tax. Uh, there was a scene with um, Will Smith uh, where he was being interviewed in a foreign country I think it was Holland or someplace and uh, he was talking about uh, taxes in America and said that he he didn't mind paying taxes he he thought that was good and he asked what uh, the taxes were there and uh, they said 75% income tax and he said God bless America. <laughs> he wasn't paying that much. But the reality is, is these, these crafty states, they, you, you are amazed that if you actually knew, I mean, you pay an income tax of whatever it is, 20, 30%, but you also pay uh, sales tax in many states, you pay gasoline tax, uh, you pay property tax, um, you, you have both state and federal taxes. If you start adding it up and then, realize that, of course, the commodities that you buy, the reason they are as expensive as they are, they had to raise the prices so they could pay their tax. So, actually, 20, 30, 40, 50% of the cost of an item is often taxes that are put on truck drivers and what have you. And some of it is reasonable excise tax. And But the fact is, is there's a tremendous, tremendous tax burden. And the reason why is because, you know, half of America is on food stamps. Uh, it's an unbelievable amount of people that are on food stamps. If they didn't have this electronic system of giving people out this food stamps, you would see the longest bread lines in America in the history of the world. But that would be really bad press. So they don't want that. But anyway, we got guys taking, you know, Paul in Romans 10.4, and then, which we just quoted, and then in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, he's not talking the Ten Commandments here. He's talking about the curse of these laws that we go under because we eat at the table of rulers and we do eat with great appetite. 
And because we don't realize that what should have been for our benefit is really a snare and has brought us under this law of Corbin, where we are compelled to pay the Corbin to take care of the needy of our society. John the Baptist talked about it clearly. And, and everybody seems to miss it. He says, you know, they asked him how his baptism worked. They knew that Herod had been baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven for quite some time. They knew that. Most Christians have no idea that John the Baptist was uh, not the first to be baptizing people into the kingdom. But he was the first to be baptizing with a distinction. Because when you got baptized by Herod's ministers, who went all over the Roman Empire to baptize people into the kingdom of Herod, kingdom of his idea of utopia, when you got baptized there, you had to pay in. And there were statutory limits and and there was amounts and there was penalties if you didn't pay in. It wasn't like, you know, well, I'll pay in and if I decide not to pay in, then I won't pay in. Uh, You had to pay in. Once you signed up, you had to pay in. And John the Baptist was saying, no, you don't have to pay in, but you have to be charitable. If your neighbor has no coat and you have to share. So this is the distinction between the baptism of Jesus Christ and the baptism of John the Baptist and that baptism offered by the ministers of Herod when he signed you up at the local temple of Jerusalem or Roma so that you could go to any synagogue and and get benefits if you had a need. But that made the word of God to none effect because it wasn't based on faith, hope, and charity. It wasn't based on love. You see, and the rule is, the law is, all the law hinges on these two things. Love God and his righteousness and his ways and to love thy neighbor as thyself, which means you need to take care of your neighbor's needs based on that love, not based on a contract, an agreement. What agreement would you have with people who don't believe in that? Living by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. This is what Paul's talking about. He's saying perfect law of liberty. He's saying faith, hope, and charity. He's saying love thy neighbor as thyself. And so when you go back to the quotes where he talks about the law of the body of Christ made us free. He's talking about the people that are doing that. That are, that are taking care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity. But we have these damnable heresies that sneak in. That uh, these guys uh, believe is the gospel of Christ. And they say things like, in Romans 16.25 we see now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, Paul says. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Now, somebody is misinterpreting that somewhere. Now, how is it misinterpreted? And what is the true interpretation? Was Paul's gospel 
was it a mystery revealed exclusively to Paul? It was. He says it was kept secret since the world began. Now, of course, that world began. That doesn't necessarily mean planet. It's the word is aeon there, and it means age. Since the beginning of the age, what age was that? You know, this is this is when does this age start? He he doesn't say. Now you can conjecture in and imagine that. You know, it, it begins at Romans sixteen twenty five begins now. To him that is of power. Dunamai is the word there, power. There's several words that are translated power. And it, 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 you know, about a hundred times it has to do with being able. That someone who is capable of. Uh, even, even the, uh, uh, word now is from two different words. Uh, one of which means now means age. Uh, the time. Uh, now, this time, since this time began, is what he's really saying. It's that, it's that simple. It's not since the, you know, creation of the world and, you know, the six day creation. He's just saying from this age, this time period, to establish you according to my gospel. You know, now, gospel, what does that mean? That means a reward or good tidings. My gospel. Reward or good tidings. It's not a story. It's not my story. It's my good news. I I got some good news to tell you. It's mine because it was given to me. I'm not making up a new one. I'm telling you the one. And he says, And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. That's something that was kind of hidden from the beginning of the age, not the beginning of the planet which was kept secret from everybody or from some. Is Paul the only one who knows this? Well, we'll see later that Paul is not the only one who knows this. That all the prophets knew it too. And it says so right in the Bible. Um, But it's a mystery to many people. So it's a mystery. You know, it doesn't have to be a mystery to everybody in the universe. But it's a mystery to somebody. So it's a mystery. Anyway, he says, uh, kept this secret, uh, kept silent, didn't know. But there were people who were telling you, but a lot of people didn't hear it. It was secret because they didn't hear. They didn't have ears to hear. Since the world began, again, we see that word world began, referring to, but again, it's the word aeon. It's a period of time. It's not the planet. It's it's the beginning of the age. So there was this period where people didn't understand and that's why they all jumped on the Corbin bandwagon of Herod and the Pharisees because they didn't understand. That's true today because we have set up new Corbin systems right under the nose of the church and the church didn't see it because the church is filled with ministers who are blind guides they are not hearing the truth they are not hearing the way they are not hearing the light 
They're seeing the light of the truth. This reference to without a beginning uh, or an end, that which always has been, always will be. Uh, in Galatians one eleven to twelve, it says, "But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ." And that's that's of course what he said he would build his church on, but. It doesn't say that he is the only one who has received this revelation. Blessed are you, Peter, because you know this not because flesh and blood has revealed it to you, not because of the knowledge of man, but divine revelation. And that's the rock upon which he will build his church. And we'll tell you more about that rock when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, we're uh, back. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we were one of the people that wrote me that uh, uh, was talking about Paul teaching a different gospel other than Christ. That Paul was get, he actually even stated that the apostles weren't doing the job so that. Uh, he called on Paul and gave Paul a new gospel to give to people. And and this is how far off people can get. That now all you have to do is believe. You don't have to do anything. Because they weren't doing it. So now supposedly he gives Paul the license to tell people not to do anything. And just believe. And you save yourself by your thoughts. Because you think you believe you're saved. Paul was aware of the kingdom of kingdom gospel, according to this individual. He hated and persecuted it until Christ appeared to him in Acts chapter 9. The reality is, is Paul was not aware of the kingdom gospel. He was aware of this Christian movement of these people who were denouncing the Sanhedrin and the rules of the Sanhedrin and saying there is another king and had received the baptism of Christ and were cast out of the Corbin system set up at the temple. And now they, at Pentecost, they had to formulate a new system overnight that would take care of the needy and the daily ministration, which we see talked about before chapter 9 in Acts. They were now going to be taking care of the needy to faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty, just as John the Baptist had said. Just as Christ was saying. Just as we see the apostles doing, rightly dividing not only the word, but the bread from house to house and setting up a system of daily ministration to take care of the widows, orphans, and needy of their society in pure religion. Now that you know that religion is not what you think, but what you do, you see how this damnable heresy has crept in to say that all you have to do is believe. Now the truth is, all you have to do is believe. 
and you are not saved by works. That is actually the truth. But if you don't explain what you're supposed to believe in, you may not be believing in the way and the truth and the light. You may not be believing in Jesus Christ. And you need to turn around and start really believing. Now, how do we know if you believe and how do you know if you believe or not? And that's what we're going to be covering. Uh, this individual goes on to say, the gospel committed to Paul, he calls it my gospel. Does he call it his gospel because no one heard it until Jesus Christ revealed it to him? Uh, so that's the question he asks. Or actually, I'll ask that question. Does he call it my gospel for that? You know, Paul didn't even write Romans. It was written by somebody else, and it says so right in Romans. That somebody else actually penned it. Now, it was penned through the uh, authority of, of Paul, and through the words of Paul. But somebody else evidently penned it. And this was true with a number of the epistles. And they tell you right in it that somebody else penned it and wrote it out. But when he's talking about my gospel, that's the gospel, the good news that I have to deliver to you is the good news that I was given to deliver to you. And Peter even talks about the fact that Paul has good news that he's going to deliver to you that is hard to understand. And there are many very simplistic people who don't really want to do what Christ said to do. Because Christ said to do lots of things. Hundreds of times Christ said to do this and not to do that. And if you believe in Christ, he says you will be doing these things and not doing these things. So, when he says my gospel, is he talking about a different gospel other than the gospel of Christ? No. He even says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He even says that it's the gospel of Christ he's preaching. In Romans 16.25, we see now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. To him, who's him? And the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what he's preaching. That's his gospel. That is, my gospel is his gospel. According to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Since the age began. Secret. The mystery. To him even. To Paul even. He knew about Christianity, but it was a mystery to him. Because he did not understand and he could not understand without the revelation of Christ. And you can't understand either without the revelation of Christ. But there are plenty of men out there who will want to make you think you believe. And they will guide you away from the path, the way of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 2.8 Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. That's And the guy puts in bold when he writes my gospel because he's like, this is something different than what Peter and, and the others are preaching. It's not. And he, of course, he, he emphasizes raised from the dead, but why not emphasize the seed of David? Because if Jesus Christ is the seed of David, then Jesus Christ is king. And of course, that's what Christ means, Messiah, anointed. King. 
He's the king. This, these are the ones that say there is another king. That's the Christians. But the modern Christian doesn't think of Jesus as the king. They, they may give him lip service. But if they really want the services of government, they don't go to Jesus. They go to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And Paul is constantly saying you don't go to them. You don't go to them for justice. You don't go to them for bread. You don't go to them for benefits. You don't uh, sit and eat with rulers. You know, because he knows that, that what they offer as welfare is a snare. And he says so. He points it out. But these born-agains who think they believe don't get that. They miss that. And you can see by what they're obsessed with, the little bits and pieces they take out of the context of Paul, out of the context of Christ. But really what gives them away is the fruit of what they're doing, because they are workers of iniquity. And they don't really even know the gospel. It's still a mystery to them. Oh, they do, they do lots and lots of studying. But they have to. In order to come up with all kinds of convoluted ideas that keep them from seeing what is so obvious. He writes in here 1 Timothy 1.11, quoting it, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. And the guy emphasizes my trust, puts in capitals. It doesn't say that exclusively to my trust... He's the only one who knows. <laughs> like I said, Peter's even saying our brother Paul who's going to talk to you about things that are difficult to understand. And he warns them. Why? Because he knows, too. It's committed to his trust, too. The truth is committed to the trust of all the prophets. And uh, that's that. It's as simple as that. He goes on to say... Things that are different are not the same. Where does it say it's different? Paul says it's the gospel of Christ. My gospel doesn't mean that my gospel is different than Christ's gospel. Or Peter's gospel. Peter and the twelve were charged with teaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel was not a mystery to them. It's not a mystery to me. But it seems to be a mystery to a lot of these people who think they believe. And how we know that is they're not doing what Christ said to do. And they're not keeping His commandments. And He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So even though they say they believe in Jesus and they love Him, and they're not keeping His commandments, then i got a problem with their belief. And they need to take another look at what they think they believe. Because you cannot save yourself by what you think. It's the truth that sets you free. Acts 3, verse 18 to 21, it says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of his prophets and Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted. That your sin may be blotted out. Be converted. Well, I thought we just had to believe. We have to be changed some way so that your sin could be blotted out. What kind of example is that? I'll give you one in a minute. 
when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken of by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So it wasn't a mystery to everybody. It was a mystery, but it wasn't a mystery to everybody. Many people knew it. Many people understood it. Paul understood it. Peter understood it. Thousands understood it at Pentecost. But thousands and thousands and thousands of more did not understand it, so it remained a mystery. You see, that's how something can be understood by some and not understood by others, so therefore it still remains a mystery, but not to everybody. And nowhere does Paul says it's a mystery to everybody. This is all conjecture in the mind of the person who is privately interpreting the words to fit his eschatology. And we have to stop doing that. Is it true that the gospel of the kingdom is on hold and it is not at hand? When did that happen? Was Jesus Christ a king when he was born? This day, a king is born to the Jews. He was a king. Was he recognized yet? Did it change the fact that he was a king? No. He was a king. When he was in in the manger, he was a king. He was a king when he was 12 in the temple. He was king... Before he rode into Jerusalem on, a, on an ass. He was king. He was the highest son of David. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're supposed to be seeking it. It's a process. The gospel of the kingdom is to seek the kingdom. Not sit on your rear end and say you believe. You You don't know what the early Christians were doing and you're not doing it. And you don't know because you think you know. You're not listening to what he's telling you you need to do. Paul tells you what you need to do. Over and over and over and over again. You need to be doing. Are you saved by works? No. But these guys who are obsessed with, not by works. Oh, that's works. All you have to do is believe. They are using that. And this is the sin. They're using that so that they don't have to tend to the weightier matters that Christ lists off. They don't, they think their salvation is assured because they think when Paul says us, he's talking about them. They haven't repented. Like I said, you know, uh, are you forgiven? Your sins? He says, Christ died for our sins. So, he says, our sins. Like he's one of the our, one of the us. Well, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. You see, if you're not forgiving, then Christ didn't die for your sins. He only died for those sins of those who will forgive. (laughs) You see, because... 
That's how you're forgiven. You you have to forgive. And then Christ didn't die for those who aren't forgiving. He tells you parables about the guy who owed a debt and the master forgave the debt. And then that guy went out and beat others who owed him money and he didn't forgive the debt. And so what did the master do? He came and he took that guy by the scruff of the neck and cast him into the dark dungeon. You see, you think that you're saved because Christ died. And that's true. But if you don't listen to the rest of the story, he didn't die for you unless you forgive. You're still going to the dungeon. You're still going to be cast into the pit. Because you haven't forgiven. You just think Christ died for you, so you think you're saved. He died for those who forgive, not for those who do not forgive. He died in hopes that those who do not forgive repent, turn around and start forgiving. Nobody earns salvation. But you can bar yourself from it by not repenting. And turning around and going the other way. This is the message of the gospel. Repent. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you're not going to repent. You're not forgiven. So there's a, there's your doing. There's a doing you cannot neglect. Romans 11.16. It says. And if by grace. Then it is no more of works. Otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's almost like double talk. Uh, the fellow who actually wrote this is following the style that we often see with Paul. But the reality is, yes, you're saved by grace. But if you're not doing works... You're not saved. And you know you're not saved because you're not doing the works. Because if you loved him, you would keep his commandments. You see, it's simple. It's not complicated. Acts 10, 34 through 35. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I receive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Of course, this individual does away with Peter. uh, Even though this is Acts 10, long after Acts 6 and Acts 9. He's talking worketh righteousness. If you're not working righteousness, you don't believe in Jesus. And that's how you know you don't believe in Jesus. And that when you say you believe in Jesus and they're still workers of iniquity, then you're a liar. You've lied to yourself and you've lied to others. He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Is accepted with him. That's the us. If you're not the us, then Paul's not talking to you. Paul taught in Titus 3, 5, Uh, verses 5 and 6. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Okay, if you're not doing those works of righteousness, then you're not the we that he's talking to. You got that? You're the workers of iniquity that don't even know Jesus Christ, though you think you come in his name, though you say you believe. But according to his mercy, he saved us, us, because we have done the works of righteousness. Not perfectly. We didn't earn uh, salvation. It's still a gift. It's still by grace. By the washing uh, of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We are renewed. We are doing things differently. We are not going the same way we went before. We have repented. We have gone, turned around and gone the other way. Which he shed on us abundantly through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He sheds on you because you have repented. If you don't repent, you're not saved. If you don't change your ways, you're not saved. If you're not working righteousness, you're not saved. Not by works of righteousness are you saved. But the works of righteousness are evidence that you have been saved. You see, that's what you have to do. Things, he goes on and says again, things that are different are not the same. That's right. If you're not working righteousness, you're something different. You're not, you're, you're not a believer in Christ. You're just a person who says they believe in Christ. You're what Jesus referred to as those who say, Lord, Lord, but do not do the will of the Father. You need to repent and turn around. The Bible does not contradict itself. Absolutely true. All things are written for us and are profitable, but all things are not written directly unto us. That's right, because you're not doing the deeds of righteousness. You are coveting your neighbor's goods through the agencies of the governments that you have created. You exercise authority one over the other with your votes, with your democracies, with your systems of Corbin and social welfare. You sit and eat with rulers who exercise authority and say, give me more benefits. You say, I want my social security check. I want my welfare. I paid in. I know there's nothing left in there for me. It was all squandered away by moths that ate it up and robbers and thieves that work within the system. Billions upon billions upon billions of dollars are missing from the treasury of your temples. And you don't know what happened to them. They don't know what's happened to them. And nobody's even hardly looking. It's all gone. The money you paid in was squandered and wasted. Like the prodigal sons you are, repent, turn around, come back together and start providing the coats for your neighbor and the needs for your neighbors through faith, open charity, and pure religion. Or you're not saved. Because you're a worker of iniquity. You're the slothful that should be under tribute. The Bible does not contradict itself. <laughs> Rightly divide the word of truth now. The Bible must be divided dispensationally, he says. He says. I don't agree with that. It, it's, it should not be 
<laughs> divided <laughs> dispensationally. There is one gospel. Did you ever hear that written in there somewhere? <laughs> Ephesians three one six. For this cause I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's he's preaching the same gospel. If ye have heard of the now he uses the word dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, Ward, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand. Ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You may not understand, and in this case, he has not understood. <laughs> because, and I don't blame him, because there's it's not my place to blame him. The reality is, there's a bunch of damnable heresies that have crept in out there, and people do not understand the true message of the gospel. And they have been deceived. And we're going to talk about this for a little bit, because this deception just goes on layers and layers and layers of it. Which in other ages, that's that word ages, didn't say in other worlds, that would sound too, you know, Star Trek-y. In other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, many of the sons of men were not made known to, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. Not just to Paul, <laughs> to, to the others. Yet it's still a mystery to sons of men who have not received the revelation in their hearts and their minds. And many of them profess to be Christians, but are still workers of iniquity. And we'll understand more about that in the next show of Keys to the Kingdom. So hang in there and keep listening. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. In the last show, we were talking about some of these damnable heresies that are creeping in and the misinterpretation of Paul by taking Paul out of the context of Paul, out of the context of Christ, imagining that Paul was preaching some different gospel than that which had been instructed to the apostles for years. And that the apostles were instructing for years. And that Paul once persecuted, but then suddenly through divine revelation, saw what he did not see before. What the apostles were seeing all along and trying to tell people. and What I'm trying to tell you, but many of you do not see what Paul said, what the apostles said, what Jesus Christ said over and over again. These are not different gospels. They are all the same gospel. When Paul says, my gospel, it's now his good news to you is the same good news as Christ. And Paul makes that very clear. We were just reading the end of the last show in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. How is he a prisoner of Jesus Christ? For you Gentiles. For you other nations. Now, he's not talking... To other Gentiles. He's not sending letters to just... I'm just going to send out a letter to Rome and it's just going to be published on the wall and everybody's going to read. He's sending it to those who are already believers in Jesus Christ. Who are doing what Jesus Christ said. What the apostles were teaching. What Linus was teaching. What Claudia was teaching in Rome. Who were Gentiles. We're actually from Great Britain as we said in the first part of our 24-hour series on Paul and the Romans. These people were doing something different than modern Christians are doing. And that's what made them the us that Paul was writing to. You need to be doing what they were doing. You will still be saved by grace. But then he he mentions this, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace. And now, As soon as you see dispensation of grace, some damnable heretic comes in and creates an entire eschatology surrounding uh, the Gospels, some of which is full of truth, but some is full of deception. And so we see this dispensation of the Gospel. and, And we think that... We're talking about the same thing as the modern dispensationalists who go on and on and on and on about dispensation. Now, certainly there is grace. Grace is just forgiveness. The word dispensation appears about seven times in the Bible. Four times, at least this one that is translated dispensation, okonomia. Well, okonomia, that, that comes from a word that means household. That, that, uh, steward. Chamberlain, also. Uh, okinomos. Oikinomos. Oikinomos. Nomos, isn't that the word for law? <laughs> well, it is. I'll be darned. The word for law. How can that be? Oiki, the house. Oiki. The house. The the way in which you manage your house. The management of a household or the household affairs. Specifically, the management, overseat, and administration of other properties. This is what this word dispensation 
means, how he manages the office of manager or overseer or stewardship, the administration and dispensation. So when we see Paul using that word dispensation, is he talking about the same dispensationalism that we see in modern churchanity? Or is he talking about something else? What's he talking about? Well, let's look at some of the other places that we see the same word used. In Luke, we see it in Luke 16.2. What's he saying in Luke 16.2? And who's saying it? And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. That's dispensation. For thou mayest be no longer a steward. That's in one of those parables. You know, in in the next verse, which is where we see the word again. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I, uh, I am ashamed. Very next verse, he uses the same word again. This dispensationalism word. (laughs) I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their house. This is where he starts forgiving debts. Everywhere. We don't see the word used again in the Bible until 1 Corinthians 9.17 by Paul. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What's he talking about? A stewardship of the gospel. That's the same word that we see in Luke. The stewardship of the gospel. He is a prisoner of Christ. He has to tell it like it is. Unfortunately, many of the modern Christians are not hearing it like it is. (laughs) They're, They're doing something contrary. They think they're coming in the name of Christ or Yeshua or... Or Jesus, but they're not doing what he said. And Jesus warned about that. Not those who say, but those who do it. That's what we need to be. Those who do it. And then, so we see the word finally in, in Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And then, again, but that word was stewardship before in the stewardship of the fullness of time. If ye have heard uh, of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me toward you. You see, that's, that's the word. That's what we're dealing with. This dispensation. Uh, which means the management of household. You should be managing the household of God. We see it again in Colossians as dispensation, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, the stewardship of God which is given to me for you. But the dispensation of do nothing but think only is satanic. And it has created apathy amongst Christians, or so-called Christians. So they are no longer doers of the word, but hearers only. Repeaters only. They serve God with their lips, 
not what they're doing. Now, what are they supposed to be doing? You see, that's one of the big problems. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And they're certainly not doing it. And so, whereby when we read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul was a doer. He was writing doers who were taking care of the entire social welfare of their community through faith, open charity. And not praying to Caesar, to Herods of the world, to to the Nimrods of the world for their benefits because they knew that those men exercised authority one over the other, took from their neighbor, took from their neighbor's children and from their grandchildren to provide them with benefits and they were not lovers of that reward. Which in the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Is it revealed to you by the Spirit? I mean, I'm telling you, but you're not going to get it unless it's revealed to you by the Spirit. Because you're going to think, oh, well, he doesn't have the eschatology of you know, Billy Graham or the eschatology of, you know, whoever. I, you know, I, I can't even think of all the guys. I, I don't listen to those guys. They're confused. And they reap confusion upon the people. If we have heard of the dispensation of grace, this guy goes on and writes, of God, which is given me to you, Lord. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. When ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Yeah, I understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. But I don't think he does, the guy writing this. He says the gospel of the kingdom is prophecy. The gospel of Christ is mystery. It's a mystery to most of the people who claim this dispensationalism because they are not doers of the word. They are not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. They do not love their neighbor. They love their benefits. They will send men to their neighbor's house with a gun to take away from their neighbor so that they can have social welfare. And if their neighbor does not give them what the, their ministers say their neighbor owes, their ministers will throw their neighbor into jail, into pits, and beat them, and take from them. Just like the parable. When Jesus Christ comes, what's he going to do with you? who did not forgive that debt and said, Hey, I paid in, you have to pay now. Is that not the exact same parable Christ gave you? What's he going to do with you? He's going to throw you into a pit. Into a deep dungeon pit. Because you don't know him. Because you're still coveting your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority. Because you paid in. And you think you have a right to take from your neighbor now. You are a worker of iniquity, for gosh sakes. You don't get the grace of Christ. You're going to be cast into the darkest pit. Now, you can repent. You can turn around. You can start coming together in congregations that give of themselves to take care of the other members in their congregation if there is a true need. You don't even know how to do that. But you can learn by doing. 
You can learn by walking in the path of the early Christians who were doing the same thing. They were cast out of the welfare systems of Herod and Caesar and the, and the treasurer of Corinth and all these other, you know, 127 different nations who had signed up at these temples of social welfare to take care of the needy of their society through forced offerings that made the word of God the none effect. That's what they were doing. But that's not what you're doing. You're not doing what the, the people were doing that Paul was writing to. He's not writing to you. If you were doing that, and I know some of you are turning around and starting to do that, you, you have to start giving of yourself, sacrificing. Christ didn't die on the cross after everybody agreed with Him. He gave His life before everybody agreed with Him. You don't cast your bread upon the waters after they give you lunch. (laughs) You cast your bread on the waters before in hopes that it comes back. You need to come together in congregations of record and say, we're going to follow the ways of Christ. Go on record and say, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to try to take care of of the needy of my society through faith, hope, and charity. And there are many needy of society and more coming. You just have to repent. You just have to turn around. You just have to go another way. A way you have not been going for quite some time. And for Second Timothy, verse 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are you doing it now? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? Can you hear this mystery revealed unto you in your heart? That unless you live by faith, hope, and charity, you know not Christ? That word study, spudazo in the Greek, only translated study once in the Bible. Three times it's translated endeavor. Twice it's translated due diligence. uh, Be diligent twice. Give diligence once. Be forward once. Labor once. It means hasten. Make haste. To exert oneself. Endeavor. Give diligence. Like that word, strive. When Christ is asked, are many saved? He says, strive. To get to the narrow gate. Broad is the gate of just believe. Broad is the gate of just believe in Jesus. Because it doesn't say what Jesus said. It doesn't say what believing in Jesus looks like. It doesn't say what the path, the way is. Just believe. And then go about do whatever you were doing before. Don't turn around. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at what you're doing. Just go do your own thing. But believe and you're saved. That is out of hell. That is satanic. That is a false gospel. It's not what Paul said. There's only one gospel of Christ. And he preached a kingdom at hand and told us to do the same. And so did Paul. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's simple. That's not hard to understand. Second Timothy 2.16 But shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness which is exactly where these guys have taken you in these babbling religions of complex eschatologies with their charts. Oh, wow, there was this and this. And then we got this blue area here where you don't have to do anything and you're just saved and then Jesus is going to come back and make it all right again. What goofy stuff. Go on in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having his seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That sounds like doing. That you have to depart from iniquity? What kind of iniquity? Maybe the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. Where you pray to men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other for your benefits. Go on to verse 21. And if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Well, have you purged yourself from systems that exercise authority one over the other to provide the benefits of the needy of your society? Have you purged yourself from that? No. Does that mean you should stop paying into that system? No, that's not what I'm saying. You may still have to pay your tally of bricks. You've been a sinner, you bad boy. You bad girl. You have been deceived by false religion. You have been seduced. You have been sold into bondage by your parents. Lots of things. Okay, got it. Get it. Repent. Say, okay, I'm going to start to come together with others and start creating and learning what it takes to create an alternative system of social welfare that is based on love alone. Wow! If that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. Love thy neighbor as thyself. How original is that? These guys who sit in their pews and sit behind their little Bible studies and say, I love my neighbor. And, you know, they put little hearts on Facebook. Oh, I love you. It's all show. It's white as sepulchers. Because their real benefactors are out there with guns, forcing their neighbors to contribute to their welfare. Providing them with public schools and, and health care and, 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 uh, uh, Police departments and fire departments, even. Oh, but those are government services. That used to be church services. Did you know that? All that used to be church services. Churches did that. Not no more. They're just singing and putting up that big screen TV or or going around thinking, I'm saved because I thought a thought. Talk about magic talk about the power of magic <laughs> you think a thought and you've saved yourself you that you are a powerful magician nevertheless the foundation of god standeth sure having his seal 
depart from iniquity. If a man therefore purge himself from these, those iniquities, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. But he told you the parable of the master who found his servant who he had forgiven, not forgiving others. Not living by faith, hope, and charity. But forcing others through power to pay him what he thought he should get. Not being forgiving himself. You want to be forgiving? You better start figuring out another way of getting through life other than praying to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. And it is late in the day. As we showed you in the beginning of the last show, it is late in the day. And we're going to show you more eventually in this series. Unbelievable statistics for your time. This is much like it was in Rome, but it is worse right now than it was at the time Paul was speaking. Romans 13, verse 9. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Before love is the fulfilling of the law. That's not the law that was done away with. That's the entole, the commandments. You are now under ten thousand, hundred thousands of laws. Because you have eaten the benefits of kings, men who exercise authority. And you have eaten with great appetite. And you have been slothful. And you were under all their laws. Because you went whoring after their gods, their ruling judges. If you don't know what that means, go listen to and look up our God's many recordings and, and programs. So that you can finally come to an understanding. But again, I don't believe you'll understand this even then unless God is revealing it to you as I speak to you. I'm trying to speak to your hearts. I'm just tearing down these fabricated beliefs that you have invented around yourself so that you would feel good. Because they make you feel good. Christ came to make you be good, not feel good. 1 John 5.2 By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. And His commandment says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Not so that you can have public school. Not so that you can have health care. Not so that you can have security. Of any kind. You will not covet your neighbor's goods. If you are, you're not keeping his commandments. And you are not the children of God. And you are not believers. 
Do we then make void the law through faith? Paul says in Romans 3.31, God forbid, we establish the law. Are you establishing the law in your deeds and your actions? Or are you still a worker of iniquity? Are you still praying to, for the Corban of the temples of the gods of the world? You don't know the meaning of words. And now the question is, do you want to know the meaning of words? Do you want to know the truth? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Are you living by faith or are you living by force? Do you have ministers out there that are forcing the contributions of your neighbor so that you can be safe and secure and cared for and taken care of and educated and and well-fared? Because if you are, you're not living by faith. You're living by force. You're living by their gun. You cannot be a socialist. Or even seek the power of a democracy and be a Christian. You cannot do it because none of those operate by faith. You know, read our stuff on democracy. You can't hardly find anybody in early America who was for democracy. Until until after 1927, democracy was a bad thing. Written about in government pamphlets, democracy was bad. It was a wicked form of government. In government manuals. But in 1945, democracy became the thing that we should fight and die for. How did that happen? The only one I found that was really advocating democracy was Karl Marx. Because all democracies lead to socialism. And socialism to communism. You know, FDR and Hitler were both social democrats. They were on the same side. And that's what's brought your nations to its knees today. It's the selfishness that is empowered by such systems. Because you all have one purse of rights in a democracy, you can take away the rights of your neighbor. You can shed his blood. And that's what you're doing every day. You're devouring each other. This isn't the government that's devouring you. It's you devouring each other because you've decided to have one purse. And you have run towards death. Proverbs. This tells you the prophets knew this mystery. It's always been written there. But it was a, remained a mystery to you because you would not receive the revelation of Christ. Because you didn't believe in Christ. You believed in an image of Christ that you created in your own mind. And that is idolatry. Romans 2.7 To them who be by patience, continuance, in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Romans, Paul saying, well, doing? To, to them who by patient continuance and well, doing? Sounds like works to me. Paul should read his own stuff. He doesn't seem to understand you're saved by grace, not by well, doing. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, in other words, not well, doing, but obey unrighteousness, systems of Corbin that make the word of God to none effect, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. 
but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Worketh good. Paul talking about we have to worketh good. And those that aren't working good, wrath and indignation. Well, boy, Paul should read these new dispensationalist guys who say, Oh, we're saved by grace. We thought a thought. (laughs) It's goofy. How can they miss it so much? They are in love with their own vanity and their own babblings. They don't want to really know the truth. And they need to repent. They need to turn around. They need to read John 15.10. Which we will read when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. And we'll tell you more about what they have failed to tell you in your modern churches. Which are not cast up. Be right back. Before we go on with the show, I just thought I would mention a couple of highlights here and some notes that I had about 40 frightening facts uh, on the fall of the U.S. economy, which was an article written uh, some time ago at zerohedges.com. They had a couple of interesting statistics, or quite a few interesting statistics. You know, 30 years ago, the U.S. national debt was about a trillion dollars, which is a lot of money, a trillion dollars. But today, it's $17 trillion. So in that 30-year period, it's gone up, you know, uh, what would that be, 170% or no, 1,700%. 17 trillion is 17 times 1 trillion. Simple as that. Uh, 40 years ago, the, uh, the debt of the United States was $2 trillion. That's the total debt. And now it's $56 trillion. Now, those, it's all goofy statistics because of the fact that we're dealing with the loss of value of the money as well. But still, it's a trend. That's the interesting thing. It's the trend that it's going in the direction in, in which things are moving. In the term of one president, uh, the government accumulated more debt than it did under the 42 U.S. presidents combined that came before that. Uh, that's huge trend. That shows a direction. It's like uh, you're free-falling. And it's speeding up. And he has all kinds of other statistics, which we won't go over in this show. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there are millions and millions of people getting uh, food stamps. More than half the households are, are getting a federal government check uh, every every month. And that's huge. I mean, that money doesn't come out of thin air, although they print it out of thin air. It actually incurs with a debt. And we need to have a whole show just on debt. And we'll make some references to it. But in his statistics, number five, it says the federal government is stealing more than $100 million from our children and our grandchildren every single hour of every single day. That's not true. The federal government isn't stealing anything. 
well, actually, there may be people in the federal government that are stealing <laughs> the same as there is. Anytime you create a government of power, there will be people stealing. Now, like we said at the beginning of the uh, previous show, there's billions and billions and billions, trillions of dollars missing that nobody knows what happened to. Somebody stole that. Uh, but the process is, is that the federal government is your ministers. That's who you, that's your religion. That's your faith. Full faith and credit. You go there to take care of the needy of your society. That's who, that's it. your priests and ministers are the federal government. And so when they are given the responsibility of taking care of the needy of your society by you who voted them in and said, you know, take care of the needy and, or either through direct desire as a socialist wanting the government to take care of everybody or through the apathy of a Christian who's just walking around thinking he's saved because he believes and therefore he doesn't need to gather together and help take care of the needy of his society doesn't know anything about taking care of the needy of his society don't know how to do it his ministers don't do it anymore the churches don't do it anymore you know if your social uh, welfare check is late they might help you out a little bit but they send you, I mean, all the ministers in most churches have a list of government aid programs that you can go to to take care of the needy. It's not the federal government taking this money, and it's not stealing, it's coveting, because you've all agreed to the terms. But that federal government is simply doing what you've desired. So it's you who's stealing. You are the masters in a democracy. And the fact is, is the democracy is not going to vote away the benefits. So the democracy is not your salvation. Christ is your salvation. But you've got to actually listen to what Christ said. What John the Baptist said. What the apostles said. What Paul said. You have to be this worker of righteousness. Taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Which Paul says. You have to stand fast in the ways of Christ. Which Paul says. You aren't doing that. You're not even close to it. You're, you're sitting there in your free time page into your Bible saying, Oh, look at this quote. Oh, look at this quote. Oh, this verifies that I know what I'm talking about. Oh, this makes me right. Oh, this makes me good. This makes me holy. This makes me safe. Oh, that Jesus. I love 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 Jesus. But you don't even know him. You're just parroting this stuff. You haven't even put it together and made any sense out of it. Now, I believe that God has divinely tried to reveal the truth to you, but you haven't been listening to God. You've been caught up in your own vain babblings. The babblings of your own brain, sitting there in your little soft chair, wheeling around. Oh, look at this, 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 look at this. You know, you you get all involved, especially people who get all involved in whatever it is, whether it's, you know, boxing or or motorcycles or bicycles or, you know, whatever hobby it is. You know, you can't just go out and run a mile or two. You got to run 20 miles. You got this type A personality. And you do the same thing with the Bible, but you run right over the truth and go right past it. Or you you just want to, you know, you know, you just need to kind of touch base and I love that church. It makes me feel so good. You know, you got to repent of that. you got to turn around. Because hell is coming. Hell is coming with a vengeance. You need to repent. Because you've already sold your children into bondage. 
and your grandchildren into bondage. And unless you turn around and start going back the other way, I don't know what I can do for you. Now, if you want to gather together with other people that are say that they're gathering together in the church, which is those people in our living network, go to livingnetwork.org and sign up and see if you can meet other people and start contributing so that these ministers will have the funds to go out and put ads in paper and, and gather Bible studies so that you can actually look at the Bible and find out what it's really saying. John 15.10 I started to talk about that before the break. If ye keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments. Then say nomos there. It's in tole. Commandments. That are not done away with. That Paul just listed off in Romans uh, 2 verse, uh, chapter 2 verse 7 and on. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If you don't keep my commandments, you don't abide in my love. You don't get my salvation. You don't get my grace. Get it? Got it. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Is that what you're doing? First John 2, 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. If you're not keeping His commandments and you tell me you know Him, I'm going to say you're a liar. You don't know Him. I know you are a liar. You lie first to yourself and then it makes it easier to lie to me because you actually think you're telling me the truth because you already lied to yourself. But what you're telling me is vain babblings. On and on and on. First John 3.22 And... Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Is it pleasing in his sight to covet your neighbor's goods? Is it pleasing in his sight to pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other? Jesus says it was not to be that way with you. If you believe in Jesus, you should agree with that. If you don't agree with that, then you don't really believe in Jesus and you're just making it up as you go along. Luke 13:27. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, especially those who say... You know, it, this is really simple stuff. You should have this figured out. If you don't, You need to do some serious soul searching. Shut the dang book for a second and look at yourself. You're worshiping the book, not the God who wrote it. John 10.38 But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye know and believe. Do you believe? To believe what? That ye know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. That's that's Jesus talking. How do you know? By his works. That's how I know who you are. That's how I know you believe. Not because you told me you were saved on such and such a day. All these people say, oh, you got to tell me when you were saved. you got to tell me. Believe by what I do. Not by what I say. No one to God 
are all his works from the beginning of the world. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. You should know by now. You should, it, this is, this should be obvious. But you have, you have turned this word dispensational, which means stewardship, into an eschatology of do nothing, but repeat after me. Religion. Say what I say. Religion. Don't do, don't worry about doing anything. Just say what I say. That's, that's the liar's religion. That's Satan's religion. Acts 19.25 Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. What's he talking about in that? These workmen that know by their craft that we have our wealth. What craft do you have? Have you been going by the crafty nature of Satan to obtain the wealth of your neighbor instead of the wealth of the kingdom of God? You know, when you when you actually act according to the Holy Spirit and follow His ways, and I'm not just saying, because sometimes those will look like you're being mean to people. It doesn't always look like nicey, honey, sweetie stuff. But when you when you actually follow those ways and sacrifice and give up of yourself and and you could do that and you say oh it was lost I, I gave the contributions and they lost the contributions and so what I gave was lost no it's not lost in the quantum realm when you give righteously it creates like a dam of power stored up that will bring blessings in other places you see because we aren't just dealing in the physical realm you cannot just do everything physically right and then it fixes everything in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is where the real power is. So that's why you have to do what you do out of a spiritual following of righteousness. But unfortunately, most people are following their vain minds and their vain babblings. And they're they're taking Paul and the clip here, clip there, clip there, clip there, repeat this, repeat this, and repeat this, even though Paul disagrees with them clearly in other places. They never want to see that. And when you quote it to them, they forget it instantly. You show them, and then they, they're off again. Romans 5, 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing the tribulation worketh patience. There are going to be difficult times. And you're going to have to endure those. I, I, I was noticing somebody the other day that was impatient. They were trying to explain something. They couldn't come out with the right words. And they just they just were frustrated. They're not listening to the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit when that happens. Why are you so frustrated? Why is there so much anger? That's not coming from the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times you hear me uh, doing my tirade and rebuking you and everything, and then all of a sudden I laugh because I'm not really mad. But I'm using the inflection. You see, my emotions don't have me. I have emotions. I use them to express myself and what I'm trying to say to you. 
so that you will have life more abundant. So that you will hear the words in your heart and in your mind. Based upon the revelation of Christ. But I can't bring the revelation of Christ to you, but it's there. It's right there next to you all the time, around you all the time. You have to receive it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. But do you really love God? You say you do. But then we should see the works of those that love God. The sacrifice that is part of the nature of Christ. Where is your sacrifice? Where do you give that you may have life more abundant? Where are you throwing your bread upon the waters? Where are you serving one another? I mean, you think church services is singing and and uh, a sermon and 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 bowing your heads and saying humble prayers. Jesus preached against all that. Not that you can't sing and do those things, but that is not where the answer is. Service, church service, was actually serving, feeding, caring for, taking care of one another in ways that strengthen the poor. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, this is who he's talking to, maybe not you. Maybe you, I don't know. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Back to that quantum. That when you really are working in the Lord and not just in your own imagination, it doesn't matter whether it succeeds or not. It is going into the quantum realm of spirituality and storing up riches for you in the kingdom. Which may pay off today, may pay off tomorrow, may pay off in a dozen years. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. How many times do they say, oh, well, that's works. He's talking the works of the law. That somehow or other you're justified because you got circumcised on this day and you used this calendar and you said these words and no. What what is the weightier matters? I mean, if there's anything that Christ was manifesting is the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy and faith. And that the form, you know you know, I was I will explain this in an article on did Jesus have long hair? And it really doesn't matter, but it's a good stepping stone because it's like one of those arguments, um, you know, how many angels can sit on the head of a pen? And people get all involved in that and they miss the fundamentals, the, the real point, you know, of what Jesus was saying. That, that this outside form doesn't mean anything. That there is a message in it, you know, like keeping the Sabbath and all these things. I mean, how do you keep the Sabbath? 
you have to be righteous or you don't keep the Sabbath. You can take the day off all you want. That doesn't mean you kept the Sabbath. It's what you do the rest of the week that makes it the Sabbath God's day of rest. Whenever you're a robber and a thief and a scoundrel and a rapist six days a week, but you took the Sabbath off, so you kept the Sabbath. The rest he took was not a rest of God. It's the rest of the wicked. You know, so you'll be careful of that. Colossians 1.10. Let's go back to Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law. That is very clear. But the works show where your heart is at. Not the works of the law. Your works. Your labor. Colossians 1.10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord. That's your labor. How you're walking. How you're living. How you are being in that stewardship. That dispensation. Of the Lord. Unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful. Now, that's that's a point. Now, going out and giving to the poor. Is that fruitful giving? Are you just giving to poor at random? Or are you giving to poor that strengthens the poor? Are you just making it easier to be a drug addict, a sloth, a full individual, a wife beater, or whatever it is? Because, you know, like we we said before in a previous show, the, the guys who stand on the street corner, and not all guys on the street corner are this way, but some of them, they actually have plenty of money. They're just looking for a little spending money and they take turns on the corner getting money and people hand them money out and they think, oh, well, I did a good work. I helped that guy out. No, you didn't. Because it wasn't fruitful good work. You need to be increasing in the knowledge of God which is spiritual knowledge of revelation so that you have revelation. Somebody was telling me they were talking on the phone the other day to somebody and then suddenly all of a sudden their mind went blank and they were talking about the gospel and, and, and the truth and all of a sudden they realized uh, they couldn't talk to that person anymore. He says, I'm going to hang up now. I'll call you later when I uh, when God has something for me to to tell you. But for some reason... You know, they realize that they shouldn't stay on the phone with this person. They were keeping them from something. And they just suddenly just, uh, there needed to be attention somewhere else. And so they got off and then they wondered about it for a while. And and after a little bit, they called the person back up. And it ended up that their little daughter was outside. And a new dog they had, had the little daughter pinned in the corner. And wouldn't let her out. Was terrorizing the little girl. And had he kept her on the phone a little bit longer, who knows what would happen? But because suddenly he knew that he had to let her get off the phone, she went outside and looked, and there the girl was in the corner of the yard, trapped by the dog, who was getting aggressive. They pulled. She pulled the dog off and took the little girl in, and they're getting rid of the dog. <laughs> So anyway, uh, the point is, is that th- how, how did he know? Uh, I could give you a lot better stories than that, but many, many stories. I mean, just intricate stories where all of a sudden you need to be here or go here or say this or do that. And I get them all the time from other people that tell me the same thing. The Spirit is in your life. And that's the knowledge of God because you're 
That is what he's building his church on. Is that knowledge of God. That knowledge of what you need to know in the spirit. And that will become stronger and stronger as you invest in the kingdom. Sacrifice for the way. By sacrificing for others. It's no good to sacrifice for yourself. You have to sacrifice for others. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That's what you need to do. Titus 1.16 They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobates. Now, you go to the regular churches and they say, well, no, these are good people. It's okay because they told those people it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of governments who exercise authority one over the other, even though Jesus said it was not to be that way with you. It can be that way with us because we got these preachers who've come in with the damnable heresies that say that it's okay to do that. And that those preachers are of Satan. They need repentance too so that they can be of Christ instead of just lip service to Christ and actually serving Satan by delivering the whole world back into the bondage of Egypt and the bondage of Nimrod, the bondage of Babylon, which is where you have all gone. And we'll talk about this more in detail. we got a long ways to go in this when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So until then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.